Good morning, Genesis. To those of you in the room, to those of you in the lobby, to those of you worshiping from home or the road, wherever you may be, please know that the Spirit meets you there and is longing to pull you close. So I invite you to stand if you're able as we begin our time of worship together today. reminder while we're still in Eastertide. I don't know if you know this piece. It's one that was introduced to me uh, within the past year, and I have found it incredibly meaningful, both on days that I'm feeling super close to God and days that I'm feeling, um, let's just say, not so close. So I hope it is meaningful to you wherever you are today. 
I am surrounded on every side, can't see the light of day, but I am persuaded beyond all hope, you won't let go of me. I stake my claim on every word you say. You will not be late. I will sing through fire and thunder. Cause you were on my side. I trust you with my life. I know my story, it isn't over. Even against all odds, you are a faithful darkest of weather though I can see I still believe you're good so I'm moving forward through crashing waves I know I'm safe with you you hold my life you hear my cry with every breath inside I will sing fire and thunder cause you were on my side I trust you with my life know my story it isn't over even against all odds you are a faithful God that's who you that your promises will hold together and I will dwell in the hope of your love forever I am convinced that your promises will hold together and I will dwell in your love I will sing through fire and thunder cause you are on my side I trust you with my life know my story it isn't over even against all odds you are a faithful God that's who you are you are a faithful God you're faithful Good morning. Did you notice how I was walking, uh, not limping, because the doctor gave me a shot of cortisone in my knee? <laughs> So praise God, it, I, don't need an, I don't need another knee. Isn't that great? Yes. Good morning, I'm Harvey Curley. And uh, I'm up here to talk about testimonies. And each one of us have a story to tell. And we're all brothers and sisters here today, aren't we? And uh, we want to know what's going on in your life. So don't be shy. Whatever you want to share with us, that would be great. That would be great. Uh, so if I could see us 
show of hands, and I will come to you. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, so uh, a couple days ago, I was uh, looking out the kitchen window, and there's Sharon talking to this guy on a bike, and uh, and I thought, who is that? Oh my goodness, that's Frank. Let me tell you about Frank. Frank, um, Frank was uh, a Christian who was also an addict and uh, alcoholic. He was a, a real mess for many, many years, and uh, Sharon had him in a. Uh, kind of a recovery group uh, that uh, uh, she was leading for a while. But Frank, uh, sometimes he was camping out in the abandoned buildings uh, not too far from us. And, uh, you know, we gave, him a, we gave him a sleeping bag in the winter that he proceeded to lose, lose somehow, you know, things like this. So we, we knew him at some of his worst. And, you know, he'd get sober for a little bit, and then he'd go back. And... Uh, it's been a while since we've uh, seen Frank, and he's been doing really, really well. He's probably been sober, what, 10 years, something like that? So he's doing really, really great. And he got into senior housing. Uh, he's a little bit older than us, but uh, he, uh, he loves to ride his bike all around. And, um, and the thing that struck me about Frank was joy. And that song we were just singing, it's like Frank has been through all these horrible things. And yet what you see when you see Frank is, is joy. And our fr Friday night, we had our small group meeting at our house. And the verse was about joy and hope and how they're linked together. Powerful, powerful verse. And it was like I'd seen this in Frank, you know, who, who was showing joy and, and this hope. And he was, he was talking about how he was connecting to other people. So he was becoming an apostle, if you will, of joy and hope to people in his life around him. And, you know, of course, it was just so great to see him. And that encouraged me because sometimes, you know, you do something, you help a little bit. Like Harvey, you do love and you're never sure what comes back. Uh, but it was a blessing to see Frank in such a glorious spirit and, you know, hugging there on the sidewalk and just rejoicing together. And so, I want to thank God for, for people like Frank, and uh, they're a great encouragement to me. I don't know if you want to add anything. <laughs> oh, thank you. Amen. Yes. You know, now that I got the microphone and a politician, I always like to introduce people who are special to this church, Genesis the Church. And um, Drew and Karen Hunter are here today. Someplace. Where are they at? They what? Oh, just Drew. Where's Drew at? He, he's in the. Oh, maybe he's running for something and shaking hands. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I got. I got a. Raise your hand. Then we're going to have more than one person. They won't let me. Here you go. So I'm Ed, I met a few of you, and uh, I had a really interesting God sighting this week. So one of the things I do is I volunteer and help out an interior design firm. And there's me and four women. And I cannot tell you how many times in the last year 
I've been reminded that I'm interrupting someone else who just happens to be a woman, right? Well, I've prayed about it. I've, I've apologized for it. I've done all kinds of things. And so this weekend, I was at a, I'm a, I serve on a board up in Traverse City, and I was at a strategic planning session. And one of the exercises that the moderator put us through involved pairing up with someone else in a random way and then expressing a time in, in, in my life and in the other person's life when we felt not listened to and not respected. And I told a story about my father who told me from the time I was four years old that I didn't know what I was talking about. So, so from that moment I thought, yeah, yeah, that really was not being respected. And when I was 50 years old, and I'd been a lawyer for at least 20 years, my father came and asked me for legal advice. And when I gave it to him, he said, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I was able to laugh then, but think back about how much that impacted me. So the first person that I shared that with then shared her story. And as soon as she started talking, God said, listen, because you know this story. And she talked about how she was in a meeting with a man who would not let her talk. And then we did it again. And again, I was randomly paired up with a woman. And she told basically the same story. And again, God said to me, you know what's coming. And so at the end of that session, we were asked to you know, stand up and give our impressions. And I said, look, this was really helpful for me because I don't listen. I think I know the answer, and I just interrupt. So tomorrow, I will be, inter I will be apologizing to these four women, because God was right there and showed me something where I knew I'd been doing it and hadn't done anything about it. So God was there. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Becky Kerzers. Hi, Becky. Hi, I'm Betsy. I, over the years, I've told you about our friend Sherry. She has had lung cancer for eight years. She's still here. She's one of six kids. Four are already gone, also from cancer. Um, she's spiritual beyond any definition. She kind of makes things up, makes it hers, and I'm telling you, it is so holy, you can hardly stand it. So she now has another kind of cancer, um, it's, it's up in this area, also in her lung, but it's not lung cancer. She had radiation, remission for four months, then it came back. Can't do radiation again because it's in her chest. Um, so now they're looking for other things to do. There are two sort of surgical options, but first they're going to do a brain scan because this kind of cancer aggressively always will go to the brain. So I said to her last night, do you have any symptoms of brain, brain involvement? She burst out laughing. She goes, well, now, wouldn't that be an explanation? <laughs> so I said, what have you been doing? I'm sorry, I haven't called you in a couple weeks. She said, well, I'm busy uh, with my yard. By the way, she's a master gardener. That's her number one church is her yard, and it's spectacular. Why she's still out there doing it, I don't know, but I think that's why she's still here is because she's out there working in the garden. She said, well, today I'm getting my, my sacred space ready, which is her bedroom, and that's kind of where she hunkers down. 
She said, I'm getting ready for my next healing. She said, I have no idea what's going to happen, but either way, that's where I'm going to be. She conjures up who she calls her spirits, who are her past, her siblings who have passed away, and um, her husband. She lost her husband unexpectedly. She swears she can tell when he walks in the room. And you know, you believe it while you're talking to her. You just know it's true. It is so, it's her world, and it's, it's real. But I hang up from her, and I'm not sad. I'm so inspired. She blows us away. And I think I already told you another time, Ed and I, we all met each other in first grade. So we've known each other since we were six years old. In eighth grade, Sherry and I were like Mutt and Jeff. But she ended up being over six feet tall, all legs. And I'm a <laughs> little pudgy chick on a bike. I'm here. She's here. Um, she went into a men's store one day and bought this really cool striped men's shirt, which she could wear because she was so tall. <laughs> I'm like shopping in the little girls' department. So anyway, we were, we've were we always been Mutt and Jeff. I adore her. Um, I told her I've prayed for her in church a number of times. I said, sometimes there's clapping. She said, wait a minute, you say my name and they clap? <laughs> and I said, well, let's see. I'll try it tomorrow. But anyway, please keep her in your prayers. She's absolutely amazing. I bet you anything she's going to get to the other side of this and keep gardening. Amen. Any other hands? I, I got to tell you, I, I don't know how you feel, but we just got back from vacation and we missed going to church two Sundays in a row. And for me, that's like a, it's like a dagger in the heart that I really, really miss it. So Carol and I are so happy to be here today <laughs> to celebrate just being here in church and praising God and listening to everything else. Uh, a little quiz, um, how do we communicate with God? What would be one of the, just shout it out, one of the ways we communicate with God? Music. What? Prayer, yes, prayer. Um, listening to the music, praising the music, um, reading and studying the Bible, right? That's another way. Um, listening to the sermon, that's another way. I'm sure we all listen to the sermon 100%, right? Uh, one other way that I do is talk to God. I talk to God without all the these and all the thous and something like, well, I really screwed up again, didn't I? Uh, I said, you know, once I get talking, I keep going. So a conversation with God, I, I don't know if anybody does that or not, but it's refreshing. It's refreshing. Just, just talk to God, and God is listening. God listens to us. God is listening right now, what I'm saying. And he's probably saying, Harvey, as they say on the stage, get off. <laughs> get off the stage. No more. No more. Unless, they, unless somebody, final hands. Yes. Hello. Um, a couple weeks ago, I shared about just praying about going to this writer's conference and then God just making it clear to me through some alterations jobs that like it would be the step to take. And so I went yesterday and um, it was really good and beneficial and 
as part of the conference, you could pitch to an agent, like pitch your story. And I went to learn how to do that, and I didn't want to go and do that. But like, as the morning went on, it just became like clear, like why not just take the chance? Um, so you needed to have like cash on hand. And the night before, um, I had just left small group and gotten home and Deb texted me and she said, I left a little something for you in your mailbox. So it was some money and like through that I was able to, you know, take the chance and go through the practice and got some good advice and good feedback. Um, I'm very early in the process of my writing, but um, it was just encouraging and I'm just thankful that I can, like, that I'm following God in this journey and that whatever steps the agent told me to take, I don't have to just rush in and take all of those. Like, God has shown me his faithfulness through just offering me, like, the steps right in front of me. And I just wanted to praise God for that. Anyone else? Yes. Um, oh, Carol. <laughs> Harvey mentioned we didn't go to church. We were traveling home last Sunday, so one of the reasons. But we were, um, we have a niece and a nephew in Florida, Tampa, Florida, that um, they're Christian people. And Greg, who's an attorney, uh, he uh, decided at some point he's seen a lot of uh, um, mentally challenged uh, uh, children, adult, young adults that just their life was, was staying at home. There was, they're on social security. I mean, they don't work or anything. And Greg decided that when he retires, he would like to do something for these kids that uh, their existence is uh, just being at home. And so he went and got his uh, master's in um, um, business for um, uh, nonprofit. And Greg and Laura, just a, a few months ago, opened a place called CUP. And CUP's is, uh, the mission statement is, will provide secure and successful jobs for people with intellectual and development disability in an inclusive workplace. And it's a coffee shop. And it's in downtown. The one in, uh, near them couldn't open, is going to open in June, but this one uh, work came up uh, downtown uh, Tampa. And they have 50 ch uh, young adults that want to work. And of course, there's a whole schedule of, you know, they are on Social Security, so they can only work, you know, so many hours and trying to get them all in. And this was when Harvey and I, we went, got, was able to go there a couple times while we were there. And you see the face of God. These, these young adults, their parents says they're up early, they're dressed, they're ready to go. They're so excited to be there. And the manager of the shop is so patient with them and showing them what to do and how to do it. And, and you know, it's funny, like I said, I want a large coffee. Well, you got to be specific. You want a 16-ounce cup of coffee. You know, you forget that, you know, they're used to something being a certain way. But I think this is just a wonderful way of showing God's love 
and uh, that uh, Greg and Laura is a, a good couple to do this. Yeah, it's wonderful. Okay, is that it? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you have allowed us to be in this sanctuary this morning. Lord, we all have a message that we would want to give, but you know what they are, Lord. So bless each one of us, whatever we're asking, whatever we're hurting, whatever we're celebrating, Lord, you know that, and we celebrate that, even though we don't know what they are. We ask these things in your name, Jesus the living Christ. Amen. For this next song, if you want to stand and worship, you are welcome. If it strikes you in the heart where you just want to sit and soak it in, that is also perfectly fine, however the Spirit meets you this morning. Your kingdom is simple, as simple as love. You welcomed the children, you stopped for the we want to see people the way Jesus does. Your kingdom is simple, Lord, teach it to us. Your kingdom is humble, as humble as death. His king is a last breath. So may we die daily, our pride laid to rest. His kingdom is humble, and the broken are blessed.
Kingdom is backwards, it flows in reverse. What you call a treasure, this world calls a curse. The small become great and the last become first. Your kingdom is backwards, Lord, teach us to serve. As it is with your kingdom, let it be with your church. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for that truth this morning. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, church. Welcome. Welcome to Genesis. Whether you're a regular tender or it's your first time here, we're happy to see you today. My name is Bethany. So we ask, could you... Please let us know that you're here. You can either put your name on the green cards, and those can go in the back, or you can, or you can fill out the digital connection card on our website. If you're new to Genesis, you can text "new to Genesis" no space to 9400. You can place your physical green card in the wooden box in the back of the sanctuary. This is also where you can place your offering if you've brought it with you. Thank you to all those who give online or through text. This Saturday, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at Genesis, Alex and Hannah Absalom will be joining us this Saturday. We will learn how to be more deliberate with words of encouragement for others. Childcare will be provided for this coming, uh, for the training this coming Saturday morning. And then Saturday evening, 7 to 9 p.m., we will be offering a time with Alex and Hannah for those who want to learn more about the naturally supernatural in our neighborhoods. Lastly, plan to eat with us next Sunday after service. Bring your favorite party appetizer and we will provide food from the grill. We will also be celebrating our graduating seniors this day. So, woo! So I'm gonna release our kids. You can go to the back and go to your classes, have a good time. And I'm gonna release us for connections. Say hi to your neighbors, meet somebody new, find a friend to talk to.
here. All right, let's <clears throat> let's uh, find our seats and we'll get going here. Check one, two. All right. You ready? All right, Jill's gonna start us off with our reading from the liturgical calendar and it's John chapter 10 if you want to follow along John chapter 10 verses 1 through 10 very truly I tell you Pharisees anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Thanks, Jill. So as is our practice, let's, uh, let's form an intention this morning as we enter into the teaching time. And so consider for you what brought you here this morning. What was the desire or the drive or the motivation and try and name your intention. And if you're struggling to name one, might I suggest having an intention to encounter the divine. God, we invite your spirit to continue to move. Your presence is already known in this space. And so for this time, God, we desire to encounter you. And ask that you would be persistent and merciful towards us. And would your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. It's a fascinating text that Jill read for us in John 10. We find Jesus telling a parable to the Pharisees. 
The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the synagogue. And taken at face value, verses 1 through 10 alone, and completely out of context of the rest of what's going on in John, this parable has been misinterpreted and used to exclude people from God's family. When taken out of context, John 10 couldn't be used to create groups that are in and then groups that are out. Amanda, I'm gonna need you today. I'm, our, I'm, like, I'm like four lines in. <laughs> and of course, the group that's in, they determine that based on the idea that Jesus is on their side and not on the side of the ones that they've determined are out. In his most dangerous application, this text, John 10, 1 through 10, can even give support to the idea that Jesus is combating Satan for sheep. It's not a parable about saving sheep from hell or a parable about saving sheep from the clutches of Satan. This is actually a parable about sheep being saved from self-serving religious leaders that are feeding off the flock. It's a fitting text for us today because its subject is so pertinent in our Google feeds. <laughs> Many of us in this room have been hurt by organized religion. Many of us in this room have seen the abuse of power in the name of God. And many of us are still processing that trauma. And many have had to release or to undo their faith in order to actually be found by God. And yet, we're still here together. And you should be applauded and your perseverance and your faith and your openness to God should be commended. John 10 is technically an in-your-face rebuke of the Pharisees from Jesus, who is being called upon to give an account for why Jesus has just healed a blind man. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> and Jesus is not okay with being called on to give an account. This text should not be read as a gentle Jesus harmoniously telling a story to the Pharisees. This Jesus is speaking with the same spirit and authority that led him to flip tables when the religious leaders had taken away the space and made it a market that should have been for the Gentiles and for those who were trying to seek God. Jesus is passionate about his flock getting access to him and his father 
and all of the promises that they have. And if you put up barriers for people, and if you limit their access, and if you profit off of that, you better watch out. And so let me just call out the elephant in the room. I am delivering this message to you this morning as a paid clergy. It isn't lost on me that if Jesus attended Genesis today, he would take me and Bo and Drew, not Dan and Sharon, we all know their hearts, me and Bo and Drew into the conference room. And that's where the sermon would be being had. And trust me, I've gone around with God in the weeks preparing this. But I think that there is beauty and hope and comfort and promise for us, the flock, as we hear God's correction and rebuke. So, let's get into it. First, it would do us well to understand that what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees is actually a direct callback to Ezekiel 34. And Ezekiel 34 is a text where God confronts those who have been entrusted to be shepherds of Israel, and they are not caring for the sheep. They're actually exploiting them and feeding off of them. And here in John 9 and in John 10, Jesus is actually living out this Ezekiel text in real time, confronting the Pharisees. So let's read Ezekiel 34. And as I read, I want you to listen for the direct connections to John 10 that Jill read for us. Ezekiel 34 the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. God's saying, you benefit from the sacrifices and offerings that they bring. You literally eat it, you literally wear it. And yet you're not caring for the flock. Verse 4, you have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, whenever you're reading the Bible, and there's a therefore, you should ask the question, what's it there for? <laughs> it's there because God's about to drop a mic. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. 
as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock but cared for themselves rather than for my flock, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. And now listen to this promise. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring, them, bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Do you hear the John 10 in the Ezekiel 34? Anyone struggling to hear that? It's amazing to me that a message that is so passionately inclusive can be spun to be absolutely exclusive. We are in and you are out. This passage has absolute correction for the shepherd of God's flock and an absolute comfort for all the sheep. So this morning, if you think you're outside the flock, or if you've been told you are, whether by words or by systems, or perhaps you have suffered personally at the hands of religious leaders or the systems that they perpetuate. I want you to be reminded of how God thinks about you. So close your eyes and listen to the I will statements from Ezekiel. Because this is what God is going to do for you. This is the defensive and protective posture that the Lord takes regarding you. 
I will remove. I will rescue. I will search. I will look. I will bring them out. I will bring them into. I will tend to. I will bind up. I will destroy on behalf of. I will shepherd. This is what the good shepherd says about how he feels about you. It is this defensive and protective spirit in Jesus that is showing in John chapter 10 as he speaks to the Pharisees. He's calling out thieves and robbers who hop walls to steal, kill, and destroy, and they do it in the name of God. Strangers to the sheep that feed off them. This text isn't about Satan. It's about them. And if we're honest, it's about us. John 10 isn't a chapter floating in space. It's connected to John 9. And what has just happened there is the stage for this conversation. I want us to look at it, and I want us to see who, in fact, Jesus calls his sheep. I chose the message because I think Eugene Peterson is a king. So if you don't like the message, I apologize. I love it. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? causing him to be born blind. That's a context clue. There's a belief already at play that any type of physical deformity or uh, handicap is viewed as a result of somebody sinning. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the work day's over. For as long as I am in the world, though, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light. He said this and then spit in the dust, made a clay paste with the saliva, rubbed the paste on the blind man's eyes, and said, go wash at the pool of Siloam. I'd made up that uh, pronunciation, just so you know. Siloam means sent. The man went and washed and saw. Soon the town was buzzing. His relatives and those who year after year had seen him as a blind man begging. It's an interesting uh, way to be known. That's your whole identity. The blind man begging. He didn't have a name. 
And they were saying, why isn't this, isn't this the man we knew who sat here and begged? And others said, oh, it's him, all right. But others objected, it's not the same man at all. It just looks like him. He's got a twin. It was a secret twin story, like the days of our lives. He said, it's me, the very one. They said, how did your eyes get opened? A man named Jesus made a paste and rubbed it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. I did what he said. When I washed, I saw. So where is he? I don't know. They marched the man to our people from the story, the Pharisees. This day, when Jesus made the paste and healed his blindness, was Sabbath. The Pharisees grilled him again on how he had come to see. He said, he put a clay paste on my eyes, and I, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, obviously, this man can't be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Insert classic religious types in the story. Missing miraculous movements of God in order to defend their rules. Others, others countered, how can a bad man do miraculous God-revealing things like this? There was a split in their ranks. They came back at the blind man. You're the expert. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. You're the expert. He opened your eyes. What do you say about him? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews didn't believe him. Didn't believe the man was blind to begin with. <laughs> that's the long con right there. Somehow this whole family from birth was in on it, and they, <laughs> they set him up. So they called the parents of the man, now bright-eyed with sight, and they asked them, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? <laughs> so how is it that he now sees? His parents said, we know he is our son, and we know he was born blind. But we don't know how he came to see haven't a clue about who opened his eyes. Why don't you ask him? He's a grown man and can speak for himself. His parents were talking like this because they were intimidated by the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who took a stand that Jesus was the Messiah would be kicked out of the meeting place. That's why his parents said, Ask him, he's a grown man. They feared the religious backlash. 24, they called the man back a second time. The man who had been blind and told him, give credit to God, we know this man is an imposter. He replied, I know nothing about the one way or the other, but I know one thing's for sure, I was blind and now I see. They said, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I've told you over and over and you haven't listened. Why do you want to hear it again? Are you so eager to become his disciples? With that, they jumped all over him. 
you might be a disciple of that man, but we're disciples of Moses. We know for sure that God spoke to Moses, but we have no idea where this man even comes from. And the man replied, this is amazing. You claim to know nothing about him, but the fact is he opened my eyes. It's well known that God isn't at the beck and call of sinners, but listens carefully to anyone who lives in reverence and does his will. That someone opened the eyes of a man born blind has never been heard of, ever. If this man didn't come from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. They said, you're right. We repent. <laughs> we tear our clothes and cover ourselves in ashes. No. They said, you're nothing but dirt. <laughs> How dare you take this tone with us? Then they threw him out of the synagogue into the street. Jesus heard about this, that they had thrown him out. And he went and he found him. Somebody should have said amen after that. He asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man said, point him out to me <laughs> so that I can believe in him. And Jesus said, you're looking right at him. Don't you recognize my voice? It's so good. Master, I believe, the man said, and then worshipped him. You see, sometimes Jesus' sheep get thrown out of religious institutions, but Jesus still finds them. Jesus is embodying the Ezekiel 34 text here in his interaction with this sheep. He removes, he rescues, he searches, he looks, he brings him out, he brings him into, he tends to him, he binds up, he destroys on behalf of, he good shepherds. This is Jesus. Caroline Lewis, a professor at Luther Seminary, provides a wonderful commentary here. And she said, if the parable in John 10 isn't about salvation from hell, then what is it about? It is about salvation from a living hell. And from what hell did this man need to be saved? This man, blind from birth, is saved from a life of isolation and marginalization. Isolation and marginalization from community, but isolation and marginalization from the flock. All because he didn't fit the religious leader's paradigm. His healing saves him from 
and everlasting darkness in his life. Never again will he wonder where his next meal will be or who will answer his plea as he sits begging outside the city. He will know the safety and the security of the community. John 10, the promise of pasture and protection, the promise of a good shepherd that makes access in and out of the sheep pen. This man born blind will know sustenance and security, and even at rejection from the religious community, this man will recognize the shepherd's voice forever. Amen. So this is my hope and prayer for us today. This is my hope and prayer for my kids. That no matter where we find ourselves in the moment, that I trust the heart of God to pursue. I also trust the voice of God to be remembered and to be recognizable. I believe this whole text is inviting us into familiarity. Familiarity with God's voice. That that is God's desire to call us by name and for us to go, I think I heard that. And it's the shepherd's desire to defend us and to protect us and to heal us. Especially when it is against those who have been entrusted with the authority of the church. God said, I will rip my sheet out of your mouth to people with my job. <laughs> God will defend the flock. John 10 centers on this idea that God loves us and searches for us and is a good shepherd. And I recognize that there are storylines that you've experienced that want to tell you other. Can I leverage my hope for you this morning that the good shepherd will remove barriers in pursuit of you. That the good shepherd will rescue you and will search for you. That the good shepherd will bring you out. That the good shepherd will bring you into all those promises that the good shepherd will tend to you, that the good shepherd will bind you up, the good shepherd will destroy on your behalf, 
the focus of John 10. God loves us so much that God would pull us from the clutches of religious leaders and religious systems that are built on exploiting us in order for us to be truly cared for. Do you know this love? Are you still in the midst of re-entry? You know what you had to leave behind and you're still trying to figure it out. Not sure if that shepherd's good. That's okay. It's a good space to be in. I find it encouraging that the one the one who spoke a word and all of the created order came into being, the one who spoke that word is stooping down like a shepherd and calling you by name. That's amazing. So what is God saying to you? The gatekeeper opens the gate to him and the sheep recognize his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. What is God saying to you? Do you recognize the shepherd's voice this morning? It might be saying something you've never heard it say because it's finally silencing all of this religious baggage that you've been carrying. Or maybe it's saying something new because it's entering into a space that you've said, this is off limits because this hurts too much. Or maybe you're just hearing God celebrate over you. What are you hearing this morning? I'm going to invite Heather to come up. So I want to make some space for reflecting and for God to meet you uh, without my voice. I think this morning God's making this invitation to us to try to let God again. Try to let God again. Or just try it. God will try to let you again. As Heather plays and sings, you can sing with her or you can sit and listen. You can reflect. You can pray. You can breathe. You can return to your intention and say, was it met? But my encouragement is to listen for God's words to you specifically. And if you hear or if you get a sense, write it down. Capture it in your phone. Because like this man whose sight was restored, one word from God can change everything. And so God, we lean into you and we ask you to speak.
Sing that chorus together one more time. He knows my name. And he knows my name. And he knows my every thought. And he sees each tear that falls. And he hears me
Hi. I am Carmel McCarthy. I am married to Bo. You've never seen me before. <laughs> this is what I look like. I'm a real person. He didn't imagine me. Um, I'm not locked in a basement. You might also notice that I am not wearing oxygen right now. Um, it's been two weeks since I had that biologic Bo called it a biometric, that's not a thing. Um, live cells were injected into my lungs to regenerate the lung tissue. 89% uh, of patients experience some improvement uh, by four to eight weeks. A select few experience it at two weeks. Guess whose awful odds are finally working for her? So it's especially special that it's working today, um, not just because I was, took forever to get a shower, it's because it's Bo's 50th birthday. And not only that, but 2023 is a jubilee year. So in Judaism, uh, ancient Judaism, the jubilee came on the 50th year. And the 50th year was the year then that profound ecological, social, uh, financial justice occurred. And so uh, whatever land you were on, you gave it back to the original owner. If you had slaves or servants, they were set free. If you had any debts, they were canceled. And no one harvested the land. Can you believe that harvest? <laughs> right on cue. And so you had to trust that God would provide for an entire year whatever your harvest had previously been, because now your jubilee is rest. You will watch the justice of the earth roll down, and the justice of the earth by the Lord's hand is rest. And so my beautiful beau is turning 50 on the ancient Judaic calendar where 50 is the Jubilee year. It's like the Lord knows his loves. And my favorite pretend Jewish man, beau, <laughs> I want to say a blessing over you today in front of our greatest friends. And so come up here. If you could please, if you could please stand and put your arms out towards Bo in just an act of faith and also believing that there's like lots of magic that comes from our hands. No, it's not that. It's just to show that we believe. That's all. And so we're just putting our hands over him. So I'm going to do it too. Oh God in heaven, blessed are you, king of the universe, for you created a jubilee for justice. You created a jubilee for rest. And God, you created a jubilee 
on Bo's 50th birthday. So Father, I pray that this year there would be rest, there would be justice for years spent toiling too hard, farming for too many people, especially me. God, I pray that the joy you have blessed Bo with would be overpowering this year, that just as he delights in Harvey and Jericho, I don't know why I say your name weird, Harvey, I just got choked up, Harvest, um, that Bo would find the delight of you, God, to be realer than ever, to be more profuse, to be permeable, that he would be like a sponge, both containing it and releasing it. Father, I pray this Jubilee dreams that he's dreamed to come true, hopes that he's hoped are fulfilled, and all that his hand touches is fruitful. May the Lord bless you and keep you, my beautiful husband. May he make his face shine upon you and give you rest. And may this year be a year we say justice is served. God, you are an amazing God. And all of this is possible because you loved us. And your love is unfathomable and really good. And as I watch Andrew have to shift arms because they're hurting from extending, I am going to wrap it up, Lord. May your Holy Spirit increase in bow, in harvest, in Jericho, in me, in this room, in our people, in our friends, in our family, and those we don't know to love yet. May it be, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we say this. Let's go, church, real loud. Amen. Well, you heard it. If you owe me money, you're set free. <laughs> All of you, debtors, set free today. So right, we're only indebted to each other out of love, and I am indebted to the majority of you. I have dishes in my trunk for people. <laughs> so much. So, so good to be with you on my birthday. So thank you, babe. So good to see you two here. Wow. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, join us for cupcakes out there to celebrate Bo's birthday. And uh, have a great day. You're excused. <laughs>